GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast. Widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes, morgues, and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. Welcome, everybody, to Nightmare on Last Action Podcast. It is uh, I, Sphinx, once again with you today, uh, and also good old Deadite with us. Deadite, what's up? I am not good old. I am bad and young. Okay. Good Thank to know. You. Please keep that noted for next time. Okay. Um, we are doing Poltergeist today. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> and uh, did I, I gotta ask, have, um, since you've lived here, mm-hmm. have you ever checked to make sure that there's not, like... A cemetery that's like under this this house. You know, my my wife does all the gardening, uh, so she's dug much deeper. I I haven't f- exhumed any human remains from my yard, so I have to assume that it's not. But what about birds? You know, like that bird died. Remember? You know, <sighs> just saying. You, you might it might explain a few things. You know, I go on here at night. I thought I thought it was just the femur of an ostrich, but. <laughs> It could have been human, or it could have been bird. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Hard to say. I'm not an avian. Uh, what would that be? An avian uh, or, forensic or, forensic or, avian <laughs> scientist, a forensic ornithologist, or something of the nature. That sounds right. Yeah, ornithologist. Ornithology sound. is birds. Do you Man. know why I know that? Because Charlie Parker, yeah, saxophone player. Yeah, <laughs> he had a song called Ornithology. That's about all I know about birds, but we're not really talking about birds here. Welcome to the Birdcast! Yeah, welcome everybody! I think you would probably prefer that based on our talk off off the uh, mic here today. Uh, what are you talking about? I will say on, on Patreon we do have the GameZilla podcast um, pilot episode for We Like It Rough, a dog meme review podcast. <laughs> it didn't really pick up, but the couple people that have listened to it have really enjoyed it, so I could get behind a Birdcast as well. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, let's see here. We have Poltergeist, which is a movie done. Well, everything is done by Steven Spielberg except the directing, which I thought he did that, but that's not true. It's actually directed by Toby Hooper. Yes. Which I believe, after looking up some information, I think you know Toby Hooper quite well, maybe? Uh, I definitely... Uh, I'm more familiar with Toby's other famous movie, uh, which is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Which uh, I guess we'll talk a little bit more about that later. Okay. But uh, yeah. this was a Spielberg movie. This is definitely a Spielberg movie. And from, from what I looked up, I, I guess he contractually was not allowed to direct this movie. Uh, because maybe a little bit of a pop quiz, even though we don't have the pop quiz button. The movie came out in 1982. Do you know what other super famous Spielberg movie came out in 1982? Uh, did E.T. come out in 82? That's exactly right. Good work. Interestingly enough, uh, I watched this with my wife, and we started watching it. She goes, what are we watching? E.T.? I don't even <laughs> know if she like connected all the dots to know that 
you know, E.T. was also Spielberg and came out at the same time. But uh, it yeah. was actually a astute observation from the way the film starts. Nice. Yeah. So uh, it was a Spielberg film. Um, the one thing that I saw here as well is it was actually nominated for three Academy Awards. It was uh, sound mixing, uh, visual effects, and uh, I'm missing out on the last one. Either way, all three of them actually lost to E.T., which I found kind of interesting, too. So, that's what we got. Um, the first thing I noticed with the movie is kind of, I guess I'd call him our star role, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure the star. <laughs> Good old Craig T. Nelson, which I didn't know he was in this movie. It's uh, Coach himself. Now, you might know him from Coach. Uh, I, I recognize him most closely uh, I want to say it was written by Peter Benchley, the author of Jaws. Uh, the movie, I think, is called Creature. It was a made-for-TV movie starring, in my mind, it was Craig T. Nelson. It might not be Craig T. Nelson, oh. but where he fights a government experiment that turns into a land shark. I believe it's called Creature. I believe it was a made-for-TV movie starring all the facts <laughs> I listed are things I believe to be true. Uh, they might not be true, but that's that's my Craig D. Nelson. Nice. The other one I was thinking was he was the the ice skating coach for that Blades of Glory movie yeah. with Will Ferrell and uh, oh, what's his was name? The, John Hatters as his was name. Was Napoleon, Napoleon Dynamite? Dynamo? Yeah, yeah, that was like the other movie he was in. <laughs> yep. So <laughs> yeah, I you know I was happy to kind of see him there. Uh, I will say one other thing I found out is they believe this movie is kind of cursed, which I guess kind of fits the film a little bit. So after doing a little bit more investigative role uh, just a few minutes ago, so the two daughters in the movie, the teenage girl and the little girl that has the famous line, they're here, Mm -hmm. uh, both died uh, extremely young. So the older daughter actually died. The um, older daughter who looked old enough to be the mother of all the children looked older than the mother in the film. Correct. Okay, okay. And again, she like comes in and out in the movie. She died three months after the movie came out. She was strangled to death in the driveway of her home by her ex-boyfriend. That's not a... You don't want to go out getting strangled. No. Strangled by an ex-lover, not the way I want to go. Crazy. And then the youngest daughter... Um, died six years later from a heart attack. What? She was only 12. 12. Right? That's heartbreaking. I mean, it's just sad that a 12-year-old, they have a heart attack? Yeah, they said it was something misdiagnosed, and then she ended up dying from it. So, not not good stuff. Um, The budget for the film was about $11 million. Any guesses how much it actually made in the box office? Um, eighty million higher, hundred and twenty-two million dollars, mm. which is huge for nineteen eighty-two. Yeah, absolutely, I thought um, I was going pretty big with eighty. I, you know, you're you're not wrong there, but yeah, I mean, I guess maybe with Spielberg's name tied to it, yeah. that probably brought in the fans. Uh, and the thing about like why, so I ended up cho- choosing this movie, uh, and I chose it just because, like I. You know, it's one of those famous horror classics. Something that, again, I've never seen. We found out, though, that uh, did I, you also have never seen this, right? Yeah, I, I had never seen this one. And for some reason, it was never really on my list or on my radar. I think part of it was 
we had a class to. I, I took a horror movie and science fiction movie class uh, in college, and we had a discussion about it. And my prof was kind of like, meh, you know, like Toby Hooper's name on it. It's not really a Toby Hooper movie. We talked about it for five minutes. He's like, but let's go back to talking about Toby Hooper. And we spent the rest of the class talking about Texas Chainsaw. So I guess I was just not really interested because I just didn't feel like it was going to be quite up my alley, despite actually being a Spielberg fan, because I think Jaws is actually the greatest movie ever made. Um, I love Jaws too. Oh, Jaws as well. You love Jaws as well. I thought you meant like Jaws 2, the sequel. Oh, no. I've actually never <laughs> seen any of the other Jaws movies. I've only ever seen the first one, but I think that first one is one of the greatest movies ever made. I own all the Jawses, so uh, maybe <laughs> maybe uh, if I make you watch a B movie sometime, Jaws the Revenge is one of the worst movies ever made, the fourth <laughs> oh, Jaws. Boy. Um, but, uh, you know, I just, I was never drawn to this movie for whatever reason, and... Yeah. Uh, now I know why. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't. I do not feel that that same way. So I, I will definitely discuss it as we continue today. Um, but but I, I'll just tell flat, flat out. I I enjoyed the film. Uh, I really liked it uh, as it moved forward and progressed. I liked how like you weren't you were trying to figure out what exactly was happening uh, to this family and and to the house and what happened to the girl. Uh, and you really you you start picking up pieces along the way. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, is it a simple enough plot? Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on. But if there's anything I've learned from these horror movies, there's usually not much plot to them in general. So usually, just spooky things happening is enough for entertainment. Yeah, right. And I felt like there was a good level of spook in here. Do you, you disagree? Um. <sighs> <laughs> I can think of just a couple things that even seemed remotely spooky to me. And so I, I, I think horror movies need to achieve a couple things okay. to be enjoyable. It doesn't even have to be multiple of the things. It either has to be scary, it has to tell a good story, or it has to be fun. Okay. This movie didn't do any of those things. <laughs> wasn't any of those things. I had some cool visuals, but I, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it as things go along a little bit more in the movie, but I didn't I didn't find it very, you know, very spooky like there were just a few of the paranormal scenes that I thought were shot in a very curious way to invoke a little bit of discomfort, but most of it is over the top special effects for 1982 that just kind of go, oh, okay, well, that's nice. They're throwing some money at the screen, and it didn't actually invoke any chills. I thought, though, that, that the special effects in the film were pretty well done. I mean, obviously, well like done you said, for sure. yeah, I mean, they, they had to throw a lot of money at it. Um, Industrial Light and Magic actually did it, mm-hmm. which makes sense with Spielberg and yeah. George Lucas. And, you know, you're talking about right, in this, right close to, like, Return of the Jedi coming yeah. out and all that good stuff. Um See, so a lot of these effects, uh, you know, were sort of animated and illuminated uh, things imposed into the actual film, mm-hmm. which works amazingly, in my opinion, in a uh, sci-fi horror comedy of Ghostbusters. Those effects work really well in that yeah. setting. In this setting, to me, they look cool, but they feel they they feel out of place. They don't increase any tension. They just exist within the film. See, and I'm happy you brought up Ghostbusters because I, like, I know you love Ghostbusters. I, I love it too. And I feel like there was a lot of 
you know, relatability between these two films in terms of you're dealing with ghosts and trying to track down what's going on. You know, even the three people from the college university that's coming to the house. So I thought that would have maybe helped you out a little bit and enjoying it, but no, it doesn't. There's no Bill Murray, so no go. Yeah, no no Venkman, no Egon, no Winston, no Ray. Didn't do it. No, it's it's good enough. Um, So essentially, just to kind of get through... um, what we have of plot here or kind of going through the story a little bit. Uh, essentially you have the, the beginning of the film kind of setting up what's going to happen here. Uh, the national anthem is playing, which for those that remember, even though like this is before even our time, you know, when TV <laughs> would yeah. be over for the night, you know, like they would play the national anthem and then it's just, fuzzy screen 2 a, two a.m comes around there's not programming back on until six seven there was like a four hour break overnight exactly and this was the sign off for the for this particular television network yeah and so we're essentially finding out that there's that's a way of communication i guess and so uh it's this young girl that first wakes up in the middle of the night you know, hears the the screen, the fuzzy noise and all that. And then just kind of hearing these noises going on. And she's kind of talking to the TV as if she can can reach what's going on there. No one else in the family, though, can, can hear what's happening. And so <laughs> I do like one of the scenes there. Like, the family's a little goofy. So you've got the son and the younger daughter sharing a room together. Like how the boy had his whole room decked out in Star Wars stuff. I don't know if you caught all that. Oh, yeah. Stuff. It was absolutely the Spielberg nod to his buddy for sure. Oh, yeah. And then, again, this this older daughter, though, like, I can't explain her at all. Like, we, we she she's there in the beginning. She completely disappears in the middle. Shows up at the very, very end. But but she's present as well. And then you've got these these two parents that don't seem to really mix a whole lot either. Uh, the, the dad, Craig T. Nelson, as we mentioned, like he is a real estate salesman, uh, and the house that he lives in, uh, is in the neighborhood that he's trying to sell. Uh, and then the wife, I believe is just a stay at home mom. And, uh, I like how one scene they're on the bed smoking weed together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Solid with the kids around. And he's reading a book about Ronald Reagan. You know, you know, it's interesting that that's the way you took that. Yeah. I just assumed she rolled her own cigarettes. They, you know, she, it was, it was a cigar box. I didn't necessarily assume it was marijuana. I thought she was just doing hand rolled cigarettes. Oh, you see, I thought it was weed because after, while he's rolling them, she pulls out, it looks like just a regular old cigarette and starts smoking it after she was rolling them. I, 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 that, was she? Maybe that's I missed what, it That's then. what I thought was going on there. I thought it was hand-rolled cigarettes. All right, fair enough. Uh, second time around, when the national anthem plays and then the screen goes fuzzy, uh, the girl says very famously, they're here, right? Mm-hmm. Which I didn't know that was going to be so early in the film that that super famous quote was said. Uh, and it's the TV people, as she calls it. Uh, a earthquake-like event happens, but only in the bedroom, and and she's sucked in essentially. And there she is. Yep. She the, the whole the 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 whole no, she got sucked in at a. Did I skip? The, Are you, we not there you, yet? You oh, did. we're not there yet. Oh, oh I'm sorry. My, That's oh the. Yeah, no, I'm so sorry. No, you're the, right. You're the right. First small episode. It, it, the family believes it was an earthquake, but as the we're into that it was actually a normal episode. As my computer is, 
updating a driver or something. Okay, it's still good. It's still good. It was like an opening into the the current universe or, yeah. or world or whatever. I'm right or dimension. You're right because then they start to see weird things happening around the house. Right? There's bent silverware. Uh, the dog is barking at the wall. There's all the the chair is moving on its own in the kitchen, which was one of one of the cool scenes. And it's one yeah. of the, the so in in the scene where okay, so the dog starts barking, and you know it's one of those things that from a presentation of a horror movie makes sense. You've now seen that a the young child is sensitive to paranormal or to these forces. That's that's a uh, an archetype that is set up in plenty of horror movies before and mm-hmm. pl- used plenty after the child, you know, can see things the adult can't see. Then they clue you in. Same thing with the dog. The dog's barking at this specific area and then brings a toy over and sets it down and looks up at the area. Like That's really strange. Um, but the way both of those things are done, it's shot and the, the way the music's put in doesn't build tension. It just builds the world which to me I would have rather tension been built there and then all of a sudden you're seeing these couple cool little things where the chairs are getting reorganized in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and the chairs are getting stacked and there's no way this little girl could have done it and the way that is done so quickly with the camera panning back and Mm -hmm. forth that's the first moment and we're a half hour into this two hour film probably Mm -hmm. and that's the first moment you're like oh that's that's a little chilling like that's that's interesting where do they go from here yeah and they spend the next few minutes uh, of the film, which is over the course of an afternoon in the film time, of the mother doing these weird experiments, seeing that something is going on in the kitchen where a force is pulling things across the kitchen floor. Have you ever seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind? A long time ago, I saw most of it. Yeah. It's it's another Spielberg movie, like, you know, six years before this one came out. In yeah. fact, one thing I was reading was uh, this movie, Poltergeist, was kind of supposed to act as a sequel mm-hmm. to Close Encounters. And, like, these opening scenes where, like, they're kind of experimenting to figure out what's going on reminds me of the beginning of Close Encounters as well, that they're trying to solve this mystery of what it is that's happening. You know, uh, the guy, Richard Dreyfus, Richard Dreyfus, is kind of losing his mind. And, um, and, and to me, this was a good part of the film. And even, like I said, I would rather this built tension a little bit better. Yeah. It also, to me... Uh, wouldn't necessarily need to do that because it's showing that there is a certain sense of innocence to the the mother and to the family because Craig D. Nelson there, the dad's like, yeah. whoa, I, no, there's something wrong with this. This isn't right. Yep. And the, the mom is more much more open to the fact that this is happening, which to me... That, that, that builds their characters a little bit. It, it differentiates them in the way they're going to approach this turbulent situation ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I understand it from a choice, but again, I don't think from here it went, from a storytelling perspective, it went well. Okay. I, I like the next scene, though. So the next scene is the next night. Uh, storm hits. A storm's happening every night, apparently. And uh, the tree, that's like a dead tree outside the house, essentially comes to life, uh, crashes right through the window, grabs the sun, tries to, I guess, eat the sun is kind of what's going on. And then it's kind of a distractor because the closet in the bedroom with the two kids becomes like this portal and it sucks in the little girl. So that's how the girl gets brought into to this other dimension or whatever it may be. So... 
So I hated this scene. Really? Absolutely. I thought it was cool. And I am, you know, as we we listened to on a previous uh, Nightmare on Last Action podcast, I am very pro trees attacking people. I'm an <laughs> evil dead guy. Yeah, I mean, the tree wasn't raping the little boy, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is good. I don't want anything bad to happen to these children in that regard. But here's the thing. The, the movie uh, sprinkles in just little hints of, of paranormal things levitating, Mm -hmm. um, things being moved, the girl talking to ghosts. And so let's call that on the paranormal scale a two or three. There's visual representation of something paranormal happening. Okay. It then spikes (laughs) to a tree coming alive, reaching in with tree arms, eating a child, and the whole house shaking with glitter and everything falling and there being like portals. It goes from like a two- or a three on the paranormal scale to a full on nine. And I thought it was a dream sequence. I was like, this is such an aggressive jump from a visual standpoint and from a what is happening to this family standpoint. This is the type of stuff you would think you'd see closer to a climactic part of the movie, but it's happening 45 minutes into this two hour film. And I'm like, well, what the hell just happened? I would never go back to that house after it happened, but the whole family's like, oh, okay. So you bring up a really good point there. I, I would definitely say that, like, things escalated super quickly, and it seems like the family is kind of like, meh, whatever type of deal kind of afterwards. Super like, quickly, 45 minutes into the movie. Yeah. So the setup was four, 35, 35 minutes of setup, and then it spikes to what should be a climactic moment of the movie that seems out of place. Yeah, it does seem slightly out of place. I would say, though, I was kind of ready for something big to happen. Mm-hmm. Like, the movie was dragging a little bit. Like, it was cool to see all the the lighter paranormal stuff going on, but, like, I, w- I was ready for something big to occur. Yeah. So I can see, I, I can definitely see how you could feel a little bit rough on that. But but I did mention as well. Like I say, like it seems like mom's not that concerned. She's acting kind of casual. Like sure, she's upset that her daughter's gone, but you know what I mean. Like there's not enough quite going on there. Yeah. So I, I don't know if we fully hit on that. This whole episode happens. Tree snatches the boy. Everyone's freaking out, and yeah. then the, the, they realize the little daughter, the youngest girl, the little blonde girl who can talk to these ghosts. Carol Ann is her name. Carol Ann is gone. Yeah. They don't know. They're looking everywhere. Uh, Craig T. Nelson's jumping around in the pool that's unfinished, just mud puddle, tr- thinking yeah. her body was in there. And no, they, they never find her. Um, and they, they just believe that she's been taken by the forces of the home. Yeah, exactly. So they decide to reach out to some university professors and students, it seems like. And again, is where I make my Ghostbuster reference. Um, they're going to... Yeah, Lionel Richie was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely looked like Lionel Richie. The, the mustache, yeah, the yeah. mustache was selling it for me. And so they're gonna investigate the house to determine whether or not it's haunted or whether. Well, they say that the line here that I kept is that a poltergeist is around for days, a haunting is for years. And so this is parapsychology that apparently they study. They study. At this point, when they're at the house, they find out that they can actually talk to the little girl. So they're speaking to her and all of that. There's a light. They're talking about stay away from the light, which is, again, I believe that's where this came from of, of, you know, no, don't head towards the light. Stay away from the light. I'm guessing it's this movie that, you know, talking in that way mm-hmm. when it comes to, like, if you're going to die or whatever or not it is coming from. So obviously a, a very big reference that we see today. Um 
And then essentially we find out uh, while they're still trying to investigate how to get this daughter out. And again, like you said, they're still living in the house. They're still living which there. Which is weird. And, and the, the paranormal team comes in. And one of the scenes that I, I did like is one of the investigators like, yeah, man, I have this crazy footage. You wouldn't believe it. It's of a, a Hot Wheels car, a Matchbox car. It moves seven inches, and I have it on, on video. Mm-hmm. And the, and the, and the you know, Craig T. Nelson's like, yeah, so, okay. And then he's like, yeah, it took like seven hours. Like, no, you normally wouldn't see it, but I have a time-lapse camera. And then he's like, oh, yeah, okay, well, we, you know, like, he just kind of yeah. like, whatever, like, blowing him off because he realized he's about to show this guy some crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it is a little interesting that they're, they set up that this paranormal team isn't, a, they haven't seen anything like this before. No. And that was a clever way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Greg T. Nelson, he ends up taking a walk with his boss. They're talking about how they're going to do a new phase of the, the subdivision. Uh, but there's a cemetery there. So the boss is like, well, you know, we'll just move the cemetery. And obviously that's a huge like foreshadowing into what we find out, you know, ended up happening in, in their part of the neighborhood later. Um, or actually, I have it on here. He actually tells them that that the house that they're on actually used to be a cemetery too. So it started off in the valley. Yeah. They moved it to the hill and now they're going to move it from the hill because they want to build houses on the hill. Yeah. And something we may not have hit on, like a lot of horror movies take place in old houses. This is a new development. Yeah. So, you know, Craig T. Nelson's character, the dad, he, uh, he's like, you know, he's the real estate sales guy and he gets to live in one of these brand new nice homes. And so next up comes the part that that I don't like a whole lot, and I'm I'm curious how you feel about her, the old lady, w- one the, of the, the medium, only, one of the only good parts of this. Oh movie. my god, you and I cannot agree on this movie. One, she was not. Ugh, I was not a fan of her. So she she that that character has been in several other films. A movie that I think I'll want you to watch with me someday. It's called Behind the Mask: The Rise of Leslie Vernon. Uh, she has a, a little role in that where she plays a librarian, and she's. Uh, She's this tiny old lady oh, yeah. who has the creepiest, whisperiest, high-pitched voice, yep. and she comes in to be the medium, and it's one of the only things <laughs> I like about this movie, because I'm like, she's weird. Like, it doesn't matter what role this lady would play, because she's so unique, and she comes across frightening and weird. I, I do like how, kind of what you mentioned before... Uh, with Craig T. Nelson, like maybe not being fully sold on everything at this point. Like he's like testing her about whether or not she really is a medium or not. Mm-hmm. And then he kind of, she kind of messes with him back. I liked that scene. I also did like the little bit of conversation and dialogue she had talking about like afterlife. So I, I wrote down here that she mentions how there is no dead. There's only a transition of consciousness. And souls are not aware that they have passed. They just move into a new phase, I guess. I, I like kind of goofy stuff like that. Like, what you know, what's the afterlife all about? So I kind of like some of that conversation she was having there. But then she warns. like She's like, hey, your daughter's alive. Like, I know where she is. She's okay. But then she talks about how there's this very powerful evil force, the most powerful she's ever seen or felt or had a presence of. And she calls it the Beast. And it's holding Carol Ann, the little girl, really close. And I also mentioned, oh, go ahead. Which was a heavy part of the movie because when I hear the implications that it's 
the beast that's implying it's the devil that is what she's Uh applying by the beast if you look at the biblical context of that that's what that would mean so to me that was a moment it's this this sort of heavy uh dial you know um dialogue that she's delivering yeah and then she says that and it's like oh wow like this is kind of oh this is frightening Mm -hmm. they're dealing with the real deal here yeah I, I I have another point at this point in my notes that I want to ask you too, especially based on you not being a fan of this film. Like I also mentioned at this point, I see so many parallels between this movie and the Netflix series of Stranger Things, mm-hmm. especially the first series, uh, the first season. Yeah. So, are you a Stranger Things fan or I love Stranger? Do you? Things. Okay. Yeah, so I, I felt like you agree with me though, right? There's a lot of similarity between the two. Like yeah. the upside down seems to be this other universe, mm-hmm. and the girl getting sucked in is like Will getting trapped in there, and you know, I, I liked all of that and how it ties into it. And obviously, it has to have a huge impact on that TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I also put down at this point. I, I think the score is fantastic. I really like the music uh, that's going on. I thought on. it was forgettable and oh, poorly executed. Man, they, okay, think about. I thought the strings were great. It's Jerry Goldsmith. He's a super huge uh, composer for just music scores. Think about a couple weeks ago. We watched The Shining. Well, ha- I mean, no, no, no. <sighs> Similar okay. era, right? Similar yeah, era. Yeah, it is. It is. Think of how well the music was used to enforce the action and create emotion. Yeah. This movie didn't do that at all. The music was just there. It, it kind of built and swelled at some points, but there was never impact. It never added to tension. It was just there to set the mood. I, I guess I'll give you that. You're, you're right. I, I mentioned in the Shining episode how I almost felt like the, the music was another player in the overall story. This definitely doesn't do that. It, it sets a mood, like you said. So, sure, you know, I'll, I'll give you that. I just, I thought it was good. Um, it was it was good music. I just don't think it was well-used music. Yeah, and then, I mean, comparing it to The Shining or, like, Halloween or such iconic themes, sure, it is more of a throwaway. I, I will definitely give you that. Uh, at this part, um, as we're starting to wind down here, we find out that, that they're, like, throwing things through the portal of the closet and they're seeing that it drops to the ceiling of the living room downstairs. So they're going to go ahead and, and tie the wife up and rope and throw her in there to try to get her daughter back. Um, this is where we definitely see the special effects mm-hmm. taking place. It, it's cool when like the, the light is just shooting out from that closet door and just seeing the special effects of it. Yeah, the, I mean, the I lighting guy, The lighting guy should have won an award. The lighting in this movie is fantastic. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and so the evil demon does shoot out, right? Yeah. Shoots right out of the closet. About it looks like it's about to eat Craig T. Nelson, Man, uh, that coach, right? That would be horrible. And then the daughter and the the wife come out of the from the ceiling top, and they're all in in Ghostbuster pink slime, as I put down. Yeah, looks like strawberry jam, which it probably was. Uh, and then they they're out. They're good. Yeah, they're they're gonna move. They got the girl back. The the, yeah. you know, the there was an emotional climax to the movie, and uh, you know you're like okay okay we saw how they solved this problem they 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 faced off with the evil yeah because the old lady is even like you know it's done it's the, over the house is clean yeah so we're good and and at this point I'm like all right cool like all right the the, the movie is done now I can move on with my life. And uh, then I'm like, why is there still 20 minutes of this movie <laughs> after clearly they led you into this climax? Yeah. 
Nope. They got 20 more minutes of this crap. That's right. Hey, this is, well, obviously, like, as a horror movie, there wasn't enough, like, somewhat naked women woman in the movie, yeah. so they had to do that. Yeah, there wasn't. Right? There so, wasn't. The, so the wife, you know, is taking a bath, so she's naked. She's in, like, her underwear and just a shirt. And that damn clown. Yeah, I knew that clown was coming yeah. back. So there's this clown in in the kids' bedroom, which I am still writing here. Like, why are they still staying in this house? Yeah. That, so that was that was a big <laughs> thing. So they, they they have a whole scene where they're moving out. They're yeah. loading the moving truck, and you know, Dad's like, "Hey, I just got to go. You know, get my last few little bit of stuff from the office. We're leaving tonight." You know, let the kids go go to sleep if if they want to. Uh, this doesn't make any sense to me that you you know this house is super haunted. Your family's just been through this emotional ordeal where your daughter was sucked into basically the afterlife, and you need to get her out and fight off demons or whatever. Yep. And you're like, yeah, but you know, the medium set is clean, so just stay at the house, and then we're gonna go to the holiday. And when I get out of work, and it's nighttime, the kids are in pajamas, and she's taking a bath, like falling asleep. Yeah, you're not. And there's still a ton of stuff in the house. Y'all are moving tonight. <laughs> tonight you're leaving this damn ghost house, and and then everyone's just like, oh, we're just gonna go to sleep. And yeah, I agree. So the clown comes to life, tries to strangle the son. The wife is climbing the walls, like being attacked that way. She's getting thrown down the the stairs. Uh, I like the cool slime all around the closet door. Which was cool, a cool effect. Yeah, and then this tentacle is starting to come out to grab the kids. One, Just one, one tentacle. One tentacle. single tentacle. Yep. Uh, the wife is getting like electrocuted every time she's trying to touch the stair rail. Uh, a lot of, of sparks. A lot of sparks yep. from these poltergeists uh, another day another rainy night is happening here she gets um she runs outside to try to like ask for help she falls into the muddy pool i wrote down is this how mud wrestling is invented <laughs> oh no she's that's, just a, that's a, a slippery sport. mess that's a sport as old as time <laughs> fair enough uh but all these skeletons are popping out of nowhere yeah so so this is where we finally get some payoff yes. and it's it, it's annoying to me that we even had the fake climax to the movie, the lull, and then into the real climax of the movie. That's annoying to me as a viewer of the film because you'll see that where there will be a, a fake climax and then basically a quick rush into the immediate climax of the movie. The fact that there was like a 10-minute lull in between the two scenes was obnoxious to me. Um, but you're finally into seeing some stuff that is... Uh, horrific and frightening and cool. It's this, yeah. it's the wife. She's in again, the unfinished muddy pool. And then all of a sudden there's skeletons coming up. Your payoff from, from this, this burial, this, uh, this graveyard that, that was moved. You see these skeletons crawling up and just coffins rising up out of the ground. These skeletons coming out like traditional effects. Like again, for the time, all the animated effects are, are neat, but they're not frightening. These these skeletons look so cool to me, and the way that they're coming up out of the ground yeah. is is really good. Yeah. So, would you have liked it if the movie would have ended after that first climax? Then, or are you happy that the second one happened to kind of push like the the plot to get the payoff 
of why this is happening. Because after the first climax, we're not really told, mm-hmm. like, why the old lady thinks that the, the poltergeist is gone. For for me, again, if I if if you gave me uh, an hour of time and the mo- a file of the movie, I would just cut the movie down to <laughs> they get the girl out and then all of a sudden everything's going to hell. They're putting the girl to bed immediately after she gets out of the afterlife. And then things immediately build right back up. It it was the, it was the gas you up. Like this is the climax of the film. And then there was too long of a lull, a nonsensical lull of the family. It looked like they continue to live in the house for another week. You know, like that didn't, that doesn't make sense. No one would do that. And to me, that was, it was just obnoxious to me. You could, you could have cut 10 minutes of the movie and then actually had the build just have that quick little plateau off into the full build. Okay. It, it, it just the momentum of of a movie that didn't have good momentum at all because it was start stop. It was ru- it was building too high and then crashing down too low the whole time. The fact that they couldn't even ramp this movie to the end properly was annoying to me. See, and I and, and that's so it's so bizarre because I felt like I. I liked how kind of jagged and kind of back and forth it kind of jumps back and forth at you, but, you know, whatever. Um, Greg T. Nelson shows up with his boss. The boss is like, oh, yeah, um, we only moved the headstones. We didn't actually move the graves. So, obviously, the dad is freaking out at this point. And at this point, like, the whole block is starting to go crazy. The house sucks itself in and disappears. Everyone gets out of the house. The mom gets in. She gets the kids out of the house. There's skeletons popping up everywhere in the house. You know, and it was it was Craig T. Nelson that's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. You moved the headstones. You didn't move the bodies. And the, the boss is like, like all freaking out because, yeah. like, the hell's coming to earth. And then, yeah, uh, a portal comes. <laughs> the house starts to collapse and fall into a portal for a reason that. Yeah. Why? Why not? Because why not end the movie with the house getting sucked into a portal? Yeah, exactly. And then they're at the Holiday Inn and. The coach is freaked out by the TV in the hotel room, so he throws it outside. Yeah, because you know they want another staticky TV being a conduit for their daughter to talk to uh, dead people. Exactly. Movie over. Stupid. <laughs> I do again. Like this. This always makes me laugh every time we watch uh, these horror movies. I'm seeing for the first time is I always revert back to a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror episode. Yeah. So I, I'm thinking of the one where Homer gets sucked into the fourth dimension or whatever it is. That's exactly what Poltergeist is. You yeah. know what it's making fun of Homer in 3D and he ends up in that dumpster in the end or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I remember thinking that was the coolest thing I ever saw when well, I was a kid. That was a cool episode. So I, I just wasn't aware that that. That was spoofing this film. Yeah. So, very, very good. But always got to bring up uh, The Simpsons whenever we can. Yeah. So, I, there there we have it. We got to rate this. Because, I, I, you know, we got a five machete rating here. Do you want to go first or you want me to go first? I'll go first. All right. Um, this movie was two hours. <laughs> it was a little less than two hours. Yeah, the, the Amazon Prime I rented it on and said it was a two-hour film. <laughs> All right. It was $2, and it cost me $4, both of which I will never have back. Is this really why you're jaded in the end, is that this is the, the first time you've had to pay to watch a movie for the podcast or for no, anything I, else? I, I paid Because <laughs> for... I know that you're, you know, you're a thrifty guy. No, I paid... So you probably came in starting this movie crabby. I paid to watch The Crow that we did <laughs> oh, a while did. ago. I've paid to watch a couple. Right, oh, and enough. I paid... Yeah, I've paid to watch a few of these. Okay. Um, I guess the one's going to the movie theater. 
I thought I was going to watch a Toby Hooper movie, you know, which okay. again, I should have known. We discussed it in my class forever ago. Like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a cool movie. Yeah. Uh, this uh, to me reminds me of that other Spielberg movie from 1982. That's just awful. <laughs> I hate E.T. I actually don't like E.T. I hate E.T. And this just reminds me of like E.T. But instead of being sci-fi, it's supposed to be a horror movie. Yeah. Um, I, I'm having a hard time really just putting together how much I dislike this film. <laughs> um, it seems like Spielberg was really distracted with with E.T. And maybe didn't put as much effort into this i don't know this movie was like i was very clear every time something i didn't like happened as we were having this discussion um you know this is a five machete scale i really like that last 15 minute sequence for the skeletons and stuff Mm -hmm. but even the way it resolved with the house getting sucked into a portal like well that was kind of dumb too like there was just so much that sucked uh this movie (laughs) blows i'm giving it a half a machete holy crap half I wanted to give it .25 machetes. Damn. 15 minutes of a two-hour movie, it should get an eighth of... It should get one-eighth <laughs> of a machete. Um, I was thinking one, maybe two, but half. In, Ouch. I, I am, I'm not joking when I say outside of the medium lady and the last, like, 15-minute climax of the film, I was sitting there going, this is maybe the worst movie I've ever watched in my life. Man. Like, when it comes to expectations of this was produced by Steven Spielberg, Jaws. Jaws is the greatest movie ever made. (laughs) He made that movie, and then he made this movie. So, in in the scale of my expectations by him making this, it failed to meet any sort of level of quality in my eyes. From a structural storytelling standpoint, from hitting the criteria of being frightening, being fun, or even just, you know, building tension. Like, the other the things I talked about earlier that make a horror movie good, yeah. this didn't do any of them other than have neat special effects. So, I think that's where you and I are deferring so much on this movie. Is first mm-hmm. off, I think it's expectation. So, yeah. you know about Hooper's past. Mm-hmm. I know nothing about Hooper at all, right? Like, I know Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a movie. I've never seen it. So, you know, I can see how, like, when you're trying to compare these two films, it sounds like you have a very different taste of, of what what's going on here. Yeah. At the same time, like, even though it is Spielberg, and I also have a higher expectation of Spielberg... I'm thinking... I'm the man to, made Jurassic Park! I know he did. But he made he, Jurassic Park! He made it like 10 years later, all right? So, and that's he kinda, made shots like <laughs> seven years before this. That's true, he did. But I'm thinking more like... I'm trying to think more that it's not so traditional Spielberg. It's more supposed to be horror movie. And, and horror isn't totally Spielberg's thing. He's more of a thrill guy. Jaws so is Jaws, a horror movie. See, it's a, it's a I, monster movie. Is it? I think of Jaws more as a drama thrill like it's, a, an, it's about a monster. thriller drama he know. made duel that movie about a killer truck he, he did that, that was, was like one of his first movies ever still, though most most directors get their start in a horror one way or the other that's true so i i did not have as high of expectations for the film and so that left me pleasantly surprised after watching it i mean again you have a huge knowledge of horror movies i have a pretty limited one so based on things that i have already seen i liked this movie 
I mean, it, it's you know we've we d- we've done a lot of slashers. Uh, this one does not fall into that category at all. So it was nice to see a horror movie that didn't necessarily have to have all of that slasher blood, stabbing people type of thing. I mean, again, continuing my theme with, did the movie scare me? I mean, no, it didn't. But I found it an enjoyable ride. I liked kind of the the the, the static, not static, kind of the, the back and forthness of, of some calm and then some chaos, and then some calm and then some chaos, kind of rocking back and forth. Um, I'm not saying it's a movie I'm gonna like see again necessarily, but I'll give it, I'll give it three and a half machetes. Oh, oh killing me! Three and a half. Um, I, I think based on how like different we are on this, I am curious what other people feel about this movie. So I would love people to share uh, on the Discord or, or on social media. Like, are you a Poltergeist fan? Yes or no? I would really like to know that. And if you are, you can lose my phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I looked after I watched the movie mm-hmm. and I saw it was only rated PG. I might have declined to watch the film had <laughs> I known that because I'm like, it can't be that scary if it's yeah. rated. If it has the same rating as E.T. As, <laughs> As Shark Boy and Lava Girl, like that's a PG movie. You yeah. know what I mean? So if if I would have known that from the onset, I might have been like, well, maybe we don't watch this. Yeah, fair enough. I know too. I've I've looked at a couple of lists of like top horror movies of all time, and this one doesn't really f- show up at the top of these lists. Yeah. I think two of the ones I remember, it was like down to like seventy. And then another one I think was like 56. It had it rated. So, I, I mean, you, you have to agree that in terms of the impact that this film has had on the genre, you can definitely see where that is. Yeah. Whether or not you agree with the payoff from the original, like, that's fine. But Yeah, I, I honestly think that if it didn't have the Spielberg name on it, it would be designated as a watch on network TV on a Saturday afternoon movie. Like, it wouldn't have... Uh, it wouldn't be put in a pantheon of being special in any sort of way if it wasn't tied to Spielberg. And it does have nice special effects. I'm not going to sit there and say the special effects aren't cool mm. um, for what they are. What I actually became interested to see afterwards is do I have to eat my own words or, you know, really reflect on what my tastes are and is it the story or was it the presentation the poltergeist remake that came out let's call it two or three years ago Mm -hmm. was produced by sam raimi my favorite filmmaker Mm -hmm. um and i think that the sam raimi sort of tongue-in-cheek silliness that he does in his horror films actually would play really well into the story of Poltergeist. So okay. uh, I, I am half tempted to watch it just to see if I like that presentation of this story better or not. Yeah. But if I don't like that as well, then it really would be the story I didn't like. Um, but I, you know, I just would be surprised if I don't like another filmmaker's take on it that I already, I also enjoy. Yeah. Okay. So do you know like what, it, what the new one is rated? I think it was PG 13. Okay. Which isn't surprising to me. I mean, Sam Raimi's produced plenty of PG-13 horror movies like he did I think like the grudges are PG-13 like he he produced at least one of those you know like a lot of those like sort of paranormal um, movies that are based off Japanese horror films that were popular in the early mid 2000s he kind of has his his finger in those 
Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, we've talked a lot about Poltergeist. Uh, I think I'm ready to to call it a day. How about you, Deadite? Let's terminate it. All right. Hopefully this house doesn't like turn into cave collapse on itself and turn into a portal. It, but, it won't. It's structurally oh, very, good. strong integrity. All right. I mean, no skeletons have come up from the floor, so I think we're in good shape. I think so. Uh, thank you to our listeners. Um, again, if you have enjoyed these, please let us know and continue to share that. Um, and look for us on patreon.com slash gamesillomedia. We'd love to have you throw a couple bucks our way so we can continue to offer you these awesome podcasts. And with that, we've got Deadite on uh, the GameZilla podcast uh, uh, live on Monday nights. You guys are moving to Mixer. That's true. Which is very exciting. And then uh, Last Action Podcast, and I'm on, uh, which this is technically from Last Action Podcast. But our regular action movies are on Mondays. And then we also have Noobs and Dragons on Wednesdays that I'm a part of. And then we've got Legend of Retro on Thursdays. And then Sunday is the Simpsons podcast, Noiseland Arcade. So there's tons of different forms of entertainment and different types of podcasts that you can listen to and be a part of and hopefully support as we move forward. Absolutely. And uh, we'd love for you to continue this conversation in the GameZilla Media Discord. Uh, You can come and tell me why I'm dumb and why this movie is great. Uh, But I imagine that there's no one else that has uh, the audacity to make (laughs) crazy claims as Finks to say this was in any way a good film. Listen, if you've listened to Last Action Podcast, you know I'm pretty good with crazy claims of certain movies. That's true. You don't like RoboCop, which is a classic. (laughs) Fuck that movie. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we swore yet, so I had to drop the F-bomb at the end. So, all right. Thank you, everyone.